0: Welcome to Drawing a Dialogue. My name is Kathy G. Johnson. And I'm Remus Jackson. We are cartoonists, scholars, and educators. On Drawing a Dialogue, we put comics into historical, theoretical, and educational contexts. I teach K-12 students in schools in addition to alternative educational settings, and I'm a thesis professor at the Visual Narrative MFA program at Boston University. I have three graphic novels out in addition to self-published works, my newest project is a webcomic titled Charger County. I have a master's degree in art education. I'm a
1: PhD candidate in the university of Florida's English program. Um, I also have a master's in English from the university of Florida. My research focuses on trans embodiment and experience in comics and scenes and museum studies. And I also make comics mostly self-published.
0: Thank you. I, you'll notice we both updated our introductions there. <laughs> um, something, something I've noticed. Sometimes I am listen, start listening to a random podcast at a random time, and most hosts assume that you've listened to their podcast before, which is why I've intently made sure we always clearly state who we are at the beginning of this thing. <laughs> yeah. Um. So today is an episode that I'm going to be running, running, hosting being the the main person for. Um it is episode fifty two, um, titled Accessibility at Conventions. Mm-hmm. Uh this episode is going to be I, I call it a case study. Does that make sense? A case study where I'm yeah, just I think focusing so. on one event. Okay. Yeah. Um so it's gonna be a case study using Calmer Con as the example. Calmer Con was literally yesterday, October twenty first. <laughs> um I and therefore because it was literally yesterday my voice is actually a little strained <laughs> <laughs> so um if you hear me kind of gravelly uh please forgive me a little bit um and so we're i'm gonna use calmer Con just as an example because i got to uh run a workshop there yesterday and i got to sort of walk around i was there all day mm-hmm. um and so i just wanted to take the opportunity to talk about accessibility at comic book conventions. Um, And so this information is either going to be from my own observations and experiences, sort of informal information that I gathered from volunteers and attendees at the convention. Mm -hmm. And, or it's just information I pulled from the CalmerCon website. This isn't like a super in-depth study. Sure. um, But that's maybe something that we could do in the future. Yeah. um, Actually get like specific data um do you have any thoughts before i sort of launch into the content
1: no i mean i'm interested in this because i i do feel like um there's been more of a push in the past 10 years to have more of these like i usually see them called like sensory friendly events
0: Mm -hmm. um so i am super interested in seeing like a comic con do that you know yeah what other kind of events have you seen that are sensory friendly it's something museums will do um especially totally
1: Especially children's museums, because people often associate like uh, the sort of event with children. In my experience, um, yes, this is also a very child-oriented event. Yeah, exactly. And then um, the Alamo uh, Draft House movie theaters, uh, which are are national at this point, but we're like we're originated in Austin. They often do like a sensory-friendly screening of like. Uh, animated movies and things like that.
0: And what does that look like? They are just like quieter.
1: I actually don't know because I've never been. (laughs) I just (laughs) have seen them like labeled as such, but I assume something like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I've seen um, sensory friendly uh, theater productions. Mm -hmm. And generally with sensory friendly theater productions, there will be, uh, I've seen like if there's going to be a loud sound, like the sound of a gunshot, on stage they'll they'll flash a red light before Ah. it happens so people are prepared for it or they can put on headphones or earplugs if they would like um before that happens and i think that that was one uh, accommodation i've seen a couple of times and i'm sure that there's also accommodations in which they just don't do the loud sudden loud sound um but even just Mm -hmm. me as someone who doesn't think of themselves as needing sensory sensitivities um it's nice to uh to be a little warned before there's a sudden gunshot sound you know gotcha
1: okay i actually found uh like a post from the alamo when they first started the sensory friendly um screenings which was in 2016 um and i said it specifically for uh so if actually for context if you don't know Alamo Drafthouse is sort of a different movie theater in that they have very strict rules. They don't let you in if you're late. Um, they'll You're allowed, to, they give you like a, 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 rain, a rain check so you can see a movie in the future, but like if you arrive, um, generally around the time trailers have started, you're not allowed in. Um, and they're very strict about like talking, moving, um, or like using a phone. Like they will just kick you out. Um, like they have like a no tolerance policy. So um, the, uh, the sensory-friendly screenings are to help, it's, uh, accommodate guests with autism and other special sensory needs, too, while also helping better fit the schedule of working parents, and they- leave the house lights a little brighter so it's not like pitch black and the sound is turned down and they also allow people to move around the theater and come in late so basically just accommodating okay. you know folks with autism who might need to be stimming right um so um cool that's the that's the that's the premise
0: yeah thank you so much and that's uh that's similar to sort of the accommodations that calmer Khan is kind of looking for Um, So I'm going to launch into um, sort of the content as we're talking about accessibility at comic book conventions Um, So from the website, uh, CalmerCon is a sensory friendly uh, comics and pop culture convention uh, designed to accommodate the needs of autistic attendees and those with sensory processing anxiety concerns Like a traditional Comic Con, there are artists, vendors, and cosplayers as well as activities like Jedi training, Superhero Academy, block building, and an art area. We also offer access to professional service organizations to provide information and help special needs families. So, Kalmar uh, Khan's origin story is, uh, this is also from their website. For years, Adam Wilson and his family attempted to attend comic book conventions with their autistic son, Logan. They quickly realized that Logan was becoming easily overwhelmed by the noise, bright lights, and crowds at these events. After contacting multiple event organizers to inquire about sensory accommodations for guests and being told that they didn't exist, Adam started a nonprofit called Calm Passion and put a team together to provide sensory reduced areas called Calmer Spaces for free at conventions. And actually, MICE Massachusetts Indie Comics Expo had one. Yeah. Soon, the Calm Passion team uh, decided to hold the first sensory-friendly comic convention called ComerCon in 2018 in central Massachusetts. Subsequent events were held in Massachusetts and Florida in 2019 and 2021. Mm -hmm. So I actually thought this was the first one until I read this, but um, I think it was the first one done in conjunction with BCAF, a.k.a. the Boston Comic Arts Foundation. Mm. Um, So BCAF also does MICE, and I think they do a third convention um so it, that's like a boston area comic book art um foundation and our friend um zach is he the executive director of it president at this point he might be hold on i i think i, I just can't remember his title i know he's the top the top guy now
1: <laughs> yeah i don't know his title offhand but he is let's just call yeah. him president he's the president <laughs> <laughs>
0: our friend zach Clemente. If you know, if you if you've been around indie comic conventions, you've probably met Zach. Mm-hmm. And so on the Comic Con's website, they also talk about how um, they have a collaboration between Calm Passion and the Boston Comic Arts Foundation, which is a nonprofit charitable organization. And BCAF's mission is to celebrate comics through art festivals, art gr- artist grants, and educational programming. So this convention was also very much for children. And I'd say families with children. But I'd say that families with children of older ages were also there. Okay. Um, And we could talk more about this later. The idea of that accommodation and sensory friendly things are often sort of geared towards families with children. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. But let's actually get into the actual day of the convention. So that's what ColmarCon is. Um, so the actual day of the con was October 21st 2023 on a Saturday it was held at Meadowbrook school in Weston Massachusetts and I didn't know this so this was a elementary school Mm -hmm. Weston Massachusetts is one of the richest towns in America so oh wow (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea as we were driving it I was just trying to find a restaurant so I googled it and I was like oh it is the one of the richest places in America. It, their um, houses, on average, are four million dollars. Oof. Um, that's the average, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I, and I, um, one of my grad students, Avangi, actually volunteered with me. So I picked her up, and as we were driving over, I kind of mentioned, um, I'm not sure who the population that we were going to walk in on. It could be the local area. Or it could just be that the convention, that this school had a lot of resources to donate mm-hmm. um, and therefore were able to accommodate um, different events like this one. And actually that ended up being the case. Like it wasn't like local. Um, most of the families that I talked to had driven over an hour Wow! to come to the event coming from different states. Um, so um, just from my own, Uh, experience. It didn't seem like it was the local community. However, New England, I feel like Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, we all kind of, that's all kind of quote unquote local for us. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) But it wasn't like the people in the $4 million town. (laughs) Mm. Um. So around 300 people registered for the event, but it was unfortunately a rainy day. So only kind of a fraction of those people attended. Um, There's also probably a variety of reasons for why people did not attend. Um, The convention did require Mm -hmm. pre-registration and it was also, the convention was also designed to have two sessions, a morning and an afternoon. So this is from the website. Our mission is to create a calm and accommodating environment where everyone can fully enjoy the festival by dividing the day into two duplicate sessions. So the morning and the afternoon were all exactly the same. Gotcha. We can allow a greater number of participants without compromising the comfort of the space. Um, During each session, you can expect the same range of carefully curated programming designed with sensory friendly considerations in mind. We encourage you to either select the morning or afternoon session when are registering for Comic-Con, but not both. And um, this will allow us to maintain a comfort, comfortable and inclusive event for as many attendees as possible. So it will the convention was free. There was, you could choose to donate either $5 or $20. Um, but otherwise it was free to register. So they, but they did require pre-registration. So they knew how many people were planning on coming. Uh-huh. Um, but again, like sort of part of accommodations also includes flexibility. Right. Um, so they probably also weren't, pl- even though it was raining, and that was probably a big reason for a lot of people not to come, there's probably a lots of reasons um, why someone would not choose to come that day.
1: Yeah, I was just, I was thinking like, um, just in my experience, that's sort of the way with like uh disability focused events like you have to expect the fact that disabled people maybe not may not be able to do it the day like at a set time yeah you don't know what (laughs) you're gonna wake
0: up you don't know what's gonna happen that day yeah yeah so i'm sure that it was uh totally understandable that not Mm. everyone came um so we had 300 uh people register um, and the morning session was lighter attended than the afternoon, which also kind of makes sense Mm -hmm. um, with maybe about 60 families or so participating. And that was sort of a guesstimate from a volunteer I was talking to. Um, The afternoon session had more and I didn't talk to anyone in the afternoon, but I don't know, I'm guessing like a hundred families. So it might be interesting to get that hard data later on. Um, And another thing is that there was also an hour long break for everyone. In between the two sessions yeah so there was a morning session from 10 a.m to 1 p.m so it was three hours and then it was the afternoon session from 2 p.m to 5 p.m so another three hours and then there was hour-long break for everyone okay um which is honestly incredible like i yeah. I, I was thinking about <laughs> part of why i was like i i was planning on volunteering for this uh convention Mm. But I was talking to, re- like, a- after we recorded our SPX um, recap, where that was an incredibly long day for both of us, yeah. and we were both exhausted. <laughs> I was thinking about, oh, uh, how great it was to just have an <laughs> hour break in between the day to break it up. Mm-hmm. Um. So the con, the con also um, provided earplugs, snacks, and also everyone who came in was told that um photo uh cameras and video would be taking place but the they offered no photo stickers for uh kids and families um to wear and they were pretty visible i didn't even know that they had them but in my sessions i saw them around Mm -hmm. so they were pretty visible even if you didn't know what they were which i actually think is important yes (laughs) (laughs) because sometimes uh people like create these cute designs but you don't know what it is necessarily but this was pretty clear from a distance there was like a photo a little icon of a camera with a big red slash through it so it was pretty obvious what it was for um and i actually appreciated that and there was also a food truck outside so they gotcha um hired a food truck to come in and it's like a food truck is interesting because you have to kind of guarantee in order for them to be at a smaller event like this you kind of have to guarantee a certain amount of money that they make and Mm -hmm. so at the end of the convention the convention actually ended up buying I think 40 meals to try to get us up the food truck up to Uh the amount of money that they needed so I ended up taking a couple of meals home for dinner too Oh, cool. Um, yeah, which I also I also think is cool because you're also putting money into a local, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, thinking about civic engagement and engagement in communities. Like being able to hire like a local, uh, putting money into a local economy is also great too. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they were Weston. They weren't. West, I think they were Boston-based, not West. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> not the four million dollar place. So, also um, talking about the the con, um, the layout of the convention was very. It was like divided up into lots of different rooms, which I thought was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, this may just because it was be because it was a school, but I found it to be very helpful in kind of dividing up activities, so it wasn't overwhelming. Um, as so many other comic conventions can be overwhelming that because most comic conventions are just in like a giant single room right with smaller rooms that are mostly just panel rooms um so i the this had like tons of different rooms um and so it was divided into two different floors Mm -hmm. um so there was an artist alley and the artist alley only had 11 exhibitor tables um a few uh artists, independent artists who had like their graphic novels and comics, um, a few like superhero artists with like some um like prints, like fan art prints, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And then like a bookstore, a local bookstore, and then there was also a um just like a hobby store. So they had like Pokemon stuffed animals and that kind of vibe. Cute. Yeah. It was like a perfect it was like a great little range of exhibitor tables um and then there was jedi and superhero trainings so have you ever seen like a jedi training for children no but i can guess what it would look like (laughs) it's like like sword fighting with like foam swords and they had like these really thick uh like pads you know so that you could fall on the pad Mm -hmm. um so it was just like these really physically engaging Activities that really sort of engaged your whole body. The superhero trainings, I didn't actually go over and see what those were like, but I would see um, Captain America, um, his like, uh, his uh, shield. shield. Yeah. Yes. Captain America shields would just like fly everywhere. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I, I imagine it involved throwing Captain America shields. Um, anyway, so like these activities that kind of engaged the whole body um and then there was a mini resource fair and this had five tables and those had local aid and advocacy organizations like mm-hmm. autism advocacy um mm-hmm. things like that um and then downstairs that was sort of the upstairs room or there mm-hmm. were multiple rooms um and then downstairs there was a workshop area a um cosplay meet and greet um yeah. and there were like a bunch of professional costume Adults there. So, like, I'm guessing they're like, they do like, p- like princess party type things. Mm-hmm. So, there was like a Rapunzel. Um, there was a Princess Leia. Um, there was a Kylo Ren. There was a uh, Black Panther. And I admit, cool. Black Panther kind of spooked me a little bit because he had a big helmet on and I don't like, I don't like that oh. kind of thing. But then, after talking with the Black Panther for a while, he was like, <laughs> I mean, who, who's the kind of person who does like these? The kind of adults that dress up for children's parties are right. probably very very sweet. So Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I ended up turning around on Black Panther, but he was kind of scared me at the beginning. <laughs> and then um uh there was a Power Ranger. Anyway, so they were sort of the these uh, co- uh cosplay adults sort of walking around a bit. Oh, there was a Jack Sparrow later on in the day. Oh cute. And then there was a calmer space. I don't know why I thought felt like it was important to list off the different cosplayers, but <laughs> um i i i think i think what i liked is that they had adults in professional cosplays walking around yeah um because like then kids could have dressed up in costumes Mm -hmm. and felt more comfortable right it sort of created a vibe where it was it felt like a comic book convention but instead of having like adults in profession like Not professional cosplay, but, you know, like, adult cosplay costume. Like, if you go to New York Comic Con, there's, like, a big cosplay community who goes there. So, it sort of brought that vibe without, like... Like, like these are paid people to, like, calmly talk to children, you know?
1: Right. Yeah, well, it was... Because, like, I um, I don't think I've ever mentioned this on the podcast, but uh, in college, I didn't cosplay myself, but I was uh friends with a group of like very well known cosplayers okay. <laughs> um and i used to go to anime cons with them and stuff and it is like it's different when you're like a fan who's caught co- like pe- people will like stop you and take pictures and stuff but like you're still just like a person who's there to do your own stuff versus like right. someone who is paid to engage with the guests
0: yes yep mm-hmm. yeah thank you this is not something i'm terribly familiar with myself i don't go to like mainstream comic book conventions Mm -hmm. um but this was like this had indie artists obviously i was there so there were a lot of independent artists but they also like part of what they were trying to do was create a comic-con experience yeah um in a accessible way um and then um there was also a calmer space to rest and regulate that was on their sign um, and in fact, I have a little stress ball that I got from there <laughs> that I'm squeezing right now. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, and then there was a Pokemon club, which was the rowdiest room. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> I played, like Pokemon <laughs> card game. And then uh, I, there was a brick room for building Legos. Um, so I didn't even count these rooms. So there was the Artist Alley, Jedi Trainings, mm-hmm. uh, Resource Fair, Workshop, Cosplay Meet and Greet. um, calmer space pokemon Club. so there were eight rooms cool um and so oh yes i was
1: just gonna say could i ask you what the calmer space actually looked like
0: so it was a classroom so this is an elementary school school. it was a very well uh funded elementary school so it was like everything was very comfortable it it wasn't like some elementary schools where it feels like you're in like a cubicle um So it was a comfortable space. It was like a, um, so there was like carpeting and the lights were turned off and there okay. were some beanbag chairs and stuffed animals. And there are uh, tables with toys, um, stress balls and um, sort of, I don't know what you would call them. They're kind of like a building toy, not like Legos because Legos are kind of crashy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like like a, like a, I don't know enough about children's toys. It was like <laughs> a string of plastic it was like tubing <laughs> that you could uh-huh. connect. <laughs> oh, I think
1: um, I know what you're talking about. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So there was like kind of like building activities, but it was quiet and it, there were a, like a few volunteers in there. And that's actually where me and Avantji, uh the grad student who came to volunteer with me, um, we actually sat in there for like over an hour um, because our sessions were in the morning and the afternoon. We had quite we had like three hours of gotcha. of no scheduled time um so we ended up sitting in there and just working on our laptops quietly nice um yeah so that's what it looked like um and then um and all these divided spaces made the convention just so much less overwhelming because everyone was pretty divided up and uh some rooms could be louder and some rooms could be quieter um rather than if you've ever been in a larger convention you're all in the same space and so like the sound is really loud right
1: yeah yeah
0: um do you have any other uh questions about like the um structure of the convention because otherwise i'll get into my own workshop that's something that i taught
1: no i was in yeah i mean i think you did a really good job explaining it i was just like super curious how the because i've seen calm rooms set up differently so i was curious how they had actually i like i like that they had like toys and stuff in there i think that's cool
0: yeah what other calm rooms have you seen
1: usually like I've seen them at like academic conventions and stuff so usually like they're geared towards adults which means they're designed to be boring <laughs> where it's just like <laughs> here is a quiet room you can sit in and there's nothing else in there to do <laughs> um, so I'm I'm very curious I always like I like I like hearing about how people design those kinds of like uh Regulate like self-regulating, or like spaces where you're able to like
0: break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also there's also quite a big there's lots of corridors and there was stairs, so I saw a lot of families sort of in the hallways as well. Too, yeah, right, and so there's a lot of in between spaces.
1: Yeah, and to your point, I about like the r- breakup of the rooms partially being because it's a school, but also being something that helps it not be overwhelming. I think that's like a huge like. It's just thinking about my, my own experiences being autistic is like when when things are like divided it's easier for my brain to like transition between mm. activities um so i could see that being like really helpful of like okay i'm in the artist alley room and now i'm in a hallway so i have a moment to process before i am yeah. in the, the activity room
0: yes oh interesting yeah, I should I should have I should have started this conversation by saying I don't identify I'm not autistic and I don't identify as someone needing sensory um mm-hmm. accommodations.
1: Yeah, um, I I just for full transparency cuz it's not like a thing I am I don't mind talking about this. I'm ADHD autistic. I uh usually uh, don't require, like, specific accommodations because I'm uh, able to, like, at least for, like, this kind of thing, I'm able to, like, self-regulate uh, if I need to, but um, I do. I am intrigued. I am always, like, I love hearing about this
0: stuff. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I know, as adults, we can just, like, leave.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, not, not all the time, but, like, I am mm-hmm. able to personally, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, my workshops. Um, so, um, just sort of starting from the beginning um i saw the announcement for CalmerCon maybe a few months ago on twitter and probably like six months ago it's been a little yeah. while and i immediately asked just like on twitter if i could volunteer and teach a workshop for them um as you may or may not know as a listener uh i teach a lot of comic drawing workshops through my comic art com work so um that's the website that hosts this uh podcast but also i also am an educator who's just sort of doing my own scholarly stuff and I enjoy teaching uh, comic drawing workshops. Um, And I just really wanted to jump on the opportunity to just support the awesome idea for a sensory friendly convention because comic cons can be very overwhelming. And um, two, I also wanted to gain more experience working with neurodivergent population. Um, I've had plenty of experience with neurodivergent children and adults in the past, but it was Mm -hmm. always sort of just like a few students in sort of a larger context. Right. Um, I haven't specifically taught a whole class meant to be as accessible as possible. And I sort of wanted to jump on the opportunity to design a class with accessibility in mind, Mm -hmm. um, as well as gain the experience in an accommodating space to see how it goes. And spoilers, it went really well. (laughs) Um, I got a few, uh, I got an email a few months later asking if I was still down to volunteer. And I said, yes. Um, so, and another thing is during the planning process, I didn't, I didn't get a ton of information. Um, but you know, I was just, it's flexibility, man. I just sort of rolled with it. Um, so at mice a few weeks ago, so mice was at the beginning, like October 1st, it was September Mm -hmm. 30th and October 1st. So it was three weeks ago yeah um at mice i briefly met with adam wilson who is the director of calm passion um to ask what kind of accommodations i should offer in my workshop um because originally i was thinking i would teach a comic drawing workshop because that's kind of what i do right um and i sort of told him i was like here's what how what happens in my comic drawing workshop we have like these different activities and i sort of told him moments in which i've had students um get upset and sure. it's always like sort of like i have like activities in which i time students and it's just right. a way of getting them to draw faster um and a lot of students it comes off as like fun and goofy but sometimes it can be a little upsetting if you want right. to sort of finish something um so i sort of shared with him different moments that i felt like what my comic drawing workshops are like different activities that i do and then i told him different activities that i felt like could be changed and have a little bit more accommodations included in them mm-hmm. um um because that's what i was thinking of doing but after a bit of back and forth with him he said something that sort of made me think of uh, i was like so what are you looking for mm-hmm. and so he said something that made me think of a youtube activity that i've filmed in the past so this is from 2020 um back when we were doing i was did a bunch of kid art activity videos in 2020 when the pandemic was first starting out um so i had a video i have a video called making our own superhero costumes recycled art kid activity Mm -hmm. Um, i'll link the video in the description for this podcast um and i scrubbed through the video showing him what it's all about um and he loved the video and he um loved the idea of making superhero costumes because then he could schedule it right before the costume contest at the Mm. convention, because then it gave kids the opportunity to join the contest. If they didn't think if they came to the show and saw other people wearing costumes and wanted to join them, yeah, going to my workshop would give them the opportunity to make something. um, And then they could join the costume contest. And the costume contest was really everyone got up, shared who they were, um and everyone got a prize so it wasn't like a contest (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) um uh so that's what we planned on um and i sort of want to highlight this moment because it shows sort of just in a really important part of civic engagement if you are going to be engaging in a community outside of your community Mm -hmm. a lot of the time volunteering can be kind of problematic and charity can be problematic because it sort of foists on a community um whatever the idea that a volunteer has and what they think a community needs so if you're planning on doing charity or volunteering in a community outside of your own um it's important to ask what the community actually needs before you volunteer um that way what you're doing is what they want right (laughs) (laughs) so even though like i really love to do comic drawing workshops like i i love to draw comics i ended up doing like a small um and i'll tell you what it is in just a second but like a small costume workshop right um, with the students um because it's more like it more fit into what they wanted to do so yeah
1: and i think that's huge because i think the way that um I mean, one, maybe one day we can do a whole episode about, like, the history of charity and where it, like, comes from in the United States, particularly, because it is interesting. Um, but it it can be a relationship. It often is, frankly, a relationship that is, like, an outsider. Um, yeah. And and it's very, like, paternalistic, right? Of, like, I, as an outsider, am observing a problem, and I have the solution that you couldn't come up with, yeah. um, instead of listening to the community, which spoiler the the community that has the problem knows what they need (laughs) like (laughs) always and like they are probably also already working on it so yes uh it's better to find people in that community and see what they're doing and be like what do you need that i can
0: give you (laughs) right yes yeah and it is important it is i also know um listening to disability advocates yes that talking to a caregiver so i was talking to the parent of a neurodivergent child is also like not ideal like ideal you're working directly with disabled um people yeah to ask what they need um but uh but this one, great. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean,
1: my my guess is that there are probably actually disabled people involved in the organizing. of Yeah,
0: I'm not con. out here asking asking people for their diagnosis, so I don't right. know exactly him, who, the caregivers that I was talking to. I don't know who like their diagnosis, and it doesn't matter. It yeah, doesn't matter.
1: Totally, totally. <laughs> but yeah, it it is a good point to raise in this context because that is, um, outside of the. Like, just generally, that is a very common um, mentality that people have towards disabled people is that sort of paternalistic, like, I will do what's best for you. Um, Even stuff as simple as, like, um, feeling inclined to move a wheelchair user without asking them for consent, um, like, that kind of stuff is... People think they're coming from like a good place, but it is like infantilizing oh, the disabled person. Don't
0: don't don't touch people without them. Yeah. <laughs> never <laughs> never
1: touch a wheelchair user's chair unless they have
0: explicitly told you that they want you yeah, to I always
1: ask I
0: always ask, um, especially if you're opening a door for someone. Yeah. Because people could be using the door to brace themselves. Yeah. <laughs> so you'd never want to suddenly swing a door if they're holding on to it. Um, I always ask. I'm always like, yeah. Can I get that for you? Yeah, and exactly. Sometimes I That's get it. yes and sometimes I get no. And then if people say no, you're like, right on, move on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like, right. And if if people say yes, I'm like, okay, thank. All right, there you go. Like, and yeah. I don't make it a big deal. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because <laughs> I've also heard disability advocates being like, people like congratulating themselves. <laughs> <for> <laughs> the no, door. it's a huge
1: thing. It absolute people, oh, I could talk about this for hours. We don't have to get into it, but.
0: <laughs> no, I, I want to I talk about it because I think, um, I just, I just want to sort of talk about my own motivation and my own motivation is to be engaged in my community. Yeah, exactly. Engage, learn, offer something that I can do for free. I don't work on Saturdays, you know, Yeah. and I had fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so it's, I just wanted to maybe, uh, talk about that and also talk about motivation and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. And by the way, as we I'm recording this podcast, I also asked for permission to talk about the, po- <laughs> the podcast. So.
1: <laughs> no, that's good. I'm glad that you cl- I like to, I like having that clarified cuz I think in our in our uh co- uh con- creating content driven internet culture, people often sort of just assume it's okay to talk about anything mm-hmm. and, uh, without like actually consulting the people involved.
0: Um Talking to Adam, the director of um, Calm Passion, mm-hmm. um, he specifically wasn't able to, uh, he was unable to offer much specific guidance for me as an educator. So I was mm-hmm. asking, like, if there are specific things that I should uh, create in accommodation for students. I mean, and also that's kind of my job as an educator, right? So I was just wanting to see if he had anything specific, but he didn't really. Like, I, I, my suggestions were I could talk quieter. Because um, I normally am very loud. Because normally right. classrooms can be very loud. Um, so, and he he said all, a lot of the suggestions I made. He said that sounds great. I kind of liked how positive he was. It was really fun to talk to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and the type of accessibility and accommodations they would like. So, um, I went with my experience and guessing what kind of accessibility changes that I should do to my teaching style. Mm-hmm. Um, so I um created so in my head i was thinking okay i'll be quieter um and sort of what ended up being the biggest thing that ended up being really great is i was like okay if we are going to be doing this activity and the activity had a lot of steps right it Mm -hmm. has a lot so I can just go over the activity really fast now. Yeah. Um, It's titled, and I'm going to make, by the time this podcast comes out, because it's going to come out in a couple of weeks, I'm going to make a blog post that has all resources and photos. Um, Again, photos that were taken with consent, and I told I would share on the website, and they said on my website, and they said that was good. So I'm going to share some photos of how the activity went, and I'm going to share all sorts of resources for this activity. So um, if you're interested, Um, you should be able to find it but the activity is called being our own superhero recycled art workshop Mm -hmm. and i have the step-by-step guide um and is in this all ages workshop students will have the opportunity to brainstorm their own superhero identity design a symbol then create a simple cardboard and paper costume and i created this worksheet because i was thinking what is sort of the most basic accommodation that i can offer is I can offer um, if someone is hard of hearing or deaf, they would need steps written out for them, right? Because I yeah. don't speak sign language. And I wore a mask. So m- also my lips were covered. Right. So I was like, I'll just type out all these steps. And also I was thinking about how in my experience working with neurodivergent children in the past is sometimes um, students need to take a break and they'll step mm-hmm. out of the classroom and maybe they'll miss a, a step in the activity when they return, right? Gotcha. And so, yeah. if I wrote out all of my steps and I had it on a handout, anyone could catch up, follow along, and it ended up being the the like so important. Like yeah. all the other <laughs> workshops were like, okay, we'll we'll do this in the future. Um, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so I also have materials at the top. So for materials for this project. Um, for the Being Our Own Superhero project, you need cardboard, markers, scissors, pencils, colored paper, string mm-hmm. or yarn, a glue stick, and a hole punch. Okay. Um, so step one is brainstorming your own superhero. And for this, I also had an additional worksheet where uh, students could fill in okay. answer questions. Um, and the uh, on the worksheet, you brainstorm your own superhero identity by answering the questions, what superpowers do you want? Mm-hmm. What colors do you want? Um, What is your superhero name? What shape do you want? And what is your backstory? So for I have two examples on the worksheet. I had a Spider-Man, Miles Morales is Spider-Man, which is key, and (coughs) um, Batman. So for Miles Morales, Mm. he has the powers of a spider. His colors are red and blue or black. Miles Morales is actually red and black. Um, His name is Spider-Man the shape is a circle with a spider Mm -hmm. on the inside, right? So if you think about the emblem that superheroes wear on their chest, there's a shape and then something inside, right? Yeah. And then so his backstory is he was bitten by a spider. Mm -hmm. And then for Batman, um, his powers... I, I was like, I, I had to Google what Batman's powers were because I was like, "What do people say?" So I wrote, "Powers are intellect and martial arts." That is what people say. <laughs> like, sure. And then, um, colors are black and yellow. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is Batman. His shape is an oval, and then it has a bat inside of it. Yeah. Um, and the backstory is he's a detective seeking justice because I was not about to say his parents were killed. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> But so I have, and so that's step one. And everything I just said is what's written on the step-by-step guide that was handed out. Mm -hmm. So, and not even handed out. It was already on the table for whenever people came in. So what was important to that is that I have um, these questions to fill in. And then I also offer examples. And they're very clear examples. And I also had pictures, right? Mm -hmm. So these are all things in which, uh, if they have if there's auditory processing mm-hmm. that is like delayed or anything like that, everything is visually in front of them. Um, I made sure to print this off in color because actually I originally it was coming out black and white and I was like, I actually want color because we're talking about color. Yeah. So like making it very clear and direct um, rather than uh, having to do like leaps of logic, right? Having yeah. it just very clear. And I could see with some students, I was like so I need a shape and I pointed to the oval with Batman and I was like so Batman has an oval and it was like really um helpful. Yeah, yeah. Um so that's step 1 and then step 2 is designing your own symbol and then so the worksheet also had uh empty space for uh students to design their own symbol inside. Um step 3 is cardboard. So I pre-cut pieces of cardboard and I made sure it was thin cardboard. Mm-hmm. And I pre-cut it to about the size, like a little bit bigger than a regular sheet of paper. And so that way I could tell students to draw the symbol, draw the shape, because they had written out the shape and they practiced drawing the shape small. I said, draw the shape as big as you can on the cardboard. And that's really helpful because I've noticed um, with students having size, like it's hard, you can't just say yeah. big. You need to have like a very clear And I can't say 12 inches, right? Right. That's not going to be obvious to everyone. So, like, having it be, like, as big as you can actually worked with pretty much everyone. Being, like, draw this as big as you can on the paper, on the cardboard. Like, they went right up to the edge. Like, it was just, like, very clear. Mm -hmm. Um, So, that ended up working out really well. And then we cut out the cardboard and... A lot of the times, and another thing with a lot of the students is the students came with caregivers. So they came with parents, family members, uh, guardians. They came with adult caregivers. So a lot of the worksheets, and my guess is from the energy I was getting in the room, a lot of caregivers have already done homeschooling and Mm. like teaching Mm -hmm. with their kids. Like they were very familiar with teaching. Yeah, And so like having all the materials spread out on the tables, having the worksheet spread on the tables. There's a few more steps, but I can say, for the first session, I ended up not standing in front of the class guiding anyone at all. Nice. <laughs> I ended up not having to talk loud or project my voice at all. And because everyone was so self-guided with the materials and the steps I had already provided, and then when I could just walk around and individually help with different steps, yeah, uh, it ended up being so great.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say when you were talking about creating the steps that like one of the things that I have found to be really important in designing accessible, like at the college level, designing accessible, mm-hmm. is like having that ability to self pace because that yes. allows people to. Just You know, like if they need to take a break, like you said, or if they take longer to process or if they go really fast and they get impatient, if they have to wait, like it accommodates all of those different methods of learning.
0: Yeah. And I and I showed that to uh, the volunteers and they were like, oh, we should have done that because they had a drawing workshop before my workshop. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh, we should do that for the drawing workshop. Because in the drawing workshop, he was doing a big drawing in front of the class. Mm. And then he would do a single part. It was sort of a step-by-step how to draw, like draw along with me type thing. And so he would do a step and then he would stand there and wait for everyone to do that step. And then he would do the next step. And so this process allowed everyone to do their own thing at their own pace.
1: Hmm.
0: Um. and honestly as a art teacher and like as a, a teacher I have a strong teaching philosophy that I don't want to do I want to offer students to be creative I want yeah. them to create their own artwork I don't want them to just follow along with me or do a craft or a step by like mm-hmm. it's just like very, everyone doing the same thing that is like not interesting to me it is not what art education is to me and so, this activity wasn't even like they're creating their own superhero identities. No one, I, I was like, honestly, like, I was so into it. No one copied a superhero, everyone invented yeah. in a superhero. It was so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let me finish the steps real fast and then we can keep talking about it. So, then after they cut out the cardboard, and a lot of the times the adults cut out the cardboard, yeah, I course. brought. Because they were like little kid scissors, even with adults adults with adult scissors, it was still a little tricky to cut. It's still a little tricky to cut cardboard. So I would say mostly it was caregivers cutting cardboard. Um, and then um, step four is colored paper. So they would cut out the paper, glue it, stick it on, like do different shapes. And then they can use markers to decorate the colored paper. And then uh, string. So we put the string through like we made it so we could wear the emblem around your neck. Uh-huh. So like most superheroes have their emblem on their chest. It was just a way of having it on your chest without like um, having it stuck to you or anything like that. So you could just wear it on your chest and take it on and off. And then another thing I did is that I printed off templates of eye masks that uh-huh. you could color and cut out and wear those. So I had like little eye masks and you would have an emblem on your chest And then you've created a superhero backstory for yourself too. So you have like a, a, like a character that you can explain. And then, um, so that's the whole activity, but it ended up being really wonderful. And like, and another thing that I think is important is I had a lot of steps. There's a lot of steps. You use scissors, you use glue, you use, and that's important to me as an educator is Practicing with scissors, practicing right. with glue, using your hands for all sorts of things. It just—I feel like I'm. I didn't want to. I simplified. I mean, it's a simple activity in the sense that it's it's cardboard and paper. Sure. Yeah. It's not complicated materials, but it, I didn't simplify the activity from the video that I had made. Right. right? Because I want. Everyone to have the opportunity to use all these different materials. Like I just feel like that's important to me as like an educator mm-hmm. to practice different skills. Yeah. Uh, so that was the activity and it ended up being really awesome. I have all sorts of photos of different kids and they're different. There was like Super Kitty and like <laughs> <laughs> Um I mean I feel like Super Kitty classic. Um and then Space Kitty, there was a Space Kitty. <laughs> um there was um, i can't remember there was one character that was like a drawing that had come to life so her name was like sketcho i believe whoa that's so cool um yeah so like everyone had come up with their own characters and it was just really creative it ended up just being really really awesome yeah it was really awesome like and another thing is i'm so used to someone getting dysregulated. And right. no one got dysregulated.
1: I, hey, that means you did it right. <laughs> <laughs> it was really <laughs>
0: like, and uh, and like because everyone was being quiet, or like there were other spaces to be loud in, right? Mm-hmm. So like everyone was like really focused and working on the project, and if they didn't weren't focused, they left, and it was like chill as hell. <laughs> it doesn't matter and people came late and did the activity everyone went at their own pace no one felt rushed it was really awesome it was really awesome and i'm gonna have photos up for everyone to look at by the time this podcast comes out and oh the costume contest oh my gosh so at the costume contest um we did have some students from our on the morning and afternoon session, we had some students uh, wear their costumes up on stage. Nice. It was very cute. <laughs> <And> <laughs> had a mask that she had made an eye mask and then Thor had lent her. There was just like just like this huge, I think it was Thor. Uh-huh. Someone had Thor's hammer, of course, but she had like a huge axe. Like it was like a halberd axe and she <laughs> had like the mask <laughs> that she drew and just a gigantic axe. <laughs> that, that <laughs> role <was> so awesome <laughs> <laughs> it just like felt really nice it was like the dream that the the director the idea that the director had it was mm-hmm. nice to see it sort of uh, come f- to fruition yeah. cuz he wanted to encourage kids to come up to be part of the costume contest because you're on stage you're in front mm-hmm. of a lot of people there's like, there's a lot of skills to work on I- in that type of thing yeah And it ended up like so many kids did it and it was so cute. (laughs) (laughs) It's really cute. (laughs) So that was my day at CalmerCon and all those resources. If you are curious, I'm going to link the YouTube video, the original YouTube video, and I'll also provide the step by step guide and I'll have pictures if you would like to do this activity yourself. Nice. So um, I'm ready for a conclusion. Are you ready for a conclusion or did you have any more questions? I have
1: a question, but it's a conclusion-style question. So we can All move right. to the...
0: So for conclusions, what did we learn? What are our goals? What do we want our takeaways to be?
1: So what I'm curious, and I, I don't know... I know you just did this, like, yesterday, so no, it's okay. It. Um, I'm curious if anything, like, anything that you did for this session, how do you think that's going to impact uh your teaching, especially in the future?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean so i have a habit of usually i have a lesson plan mm-hmm. but i like to be a little bit i like to allow flexibility in my lesson yeah. plans so i never usually print out things because i actually find it can be i mean talking about accommodations and talking about disability and accessibility some people's accessibility is other people's right. non-accessible exactly ability, right so I often usually like being able to be flexible because then I can be respond directly to what's happening in the room. Yeah. Um but I am going to think about how a step-by-step guide can be useful in the future. I'll see if there's other situations if it's like very clear the thing that I'm going to be teaching cuz mm-hmm. as you probably guessed as you were listening, this had a lot of steps. It had a lot of specific steps. Um and so if there's anything that I'm doing that is requires specific steps. I think printing them off is gonna be great. Um, I did have a student who was deaf and I, I I did not, he was a younger brother of someone who was more interested in that pro- program. So he might've not even just been interested at all, but I feel like I wasn't super, I wasn't able to accommodate. He was also very young, Gotcha. Um, but I wearing my mask, he wasn't able to see my mouth. Um, mm-hmm. And he was really young, so I don't know how up on reading he was. Sure, sure. Um, so I wasn't able to accommodate him. So that's something I can keep thinking about. Yeah. So I, I'm sure I'll keep uh, I'll keep thinking about how this worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it sounds like I did a lot of pre prep because I think it's also as educators, it stinks to think about how pre prep is a lot of effort, mm-hmm. right? But this wasn't a lot of effort. Like I cut pieces of cardboard cause I knew that would make the easiest way of telling kids to draw big was <laughs> having cut cardboard. And yeah. like, I would have written out this lesson plan anyway. I just sort of wrote it in a way that I could share it with other people and I had to print it out. Yeah. But otherwise it wasn't like, I wasn't overly burdening myself with that pre-prep which I also think is, it's kind of important to not, that's mm-hmm. how you burn yourself out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well.
1: And I feel like that's, uh, you know, very different context because this was like I, I taught, you know, writing at the college level. But like uh, I, I did a lot of work about like accessible teaching at that when I was doing that. And some a fr- like a frustration that my colleagues and I often had was like trying to get people to understand that like doing a little bit pr- more pre-prep in the beginning means you're doing less throughout the entire semester. Yeah. <laughs> like doing the work to set up your like uh, Canvas, which was the learning system we used, like setting up your Canvas really good means that people will have less questions and you won't have to keep doing stuff during the semester.
0: Um, yeah, I actually, the for gra- my grad students, I have or not, for my grad students, we didn't have Canvas mm-hmm. and I ended up just making a website. Like yeah. I just have a website for them. And yeah, it's exactly, that's also, and I but I have Canvas for all my high school classes. I have information available for all my classes. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. It's like, so it's an interesting like mentality shift to get people like, yeah, like uh, taking the time to make something accessible, like upfront can be a little bit higher effort, but it's not, uh, it's not like, it's like you said, it's not like a huge, it's not I think as much effort as people think. And also you don't have to do as much to, a, to accommodate later on because you have done yes. the work up front to make it yes. accessible from the start
0: yeah and I want to be like I understand the beginning of the school year is like that's part of why we didn't have a podcast right. <laughs> episode is the beginning of the school year is a lot of work but it does like it pays off it yeah. does pay off like I the having this worksheet paid off in the actual room where i didn't no one was like no one got confused right (laughs) (laughs) everyone knew exactly what they were doing like it was awesome (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: yeah i mean i'm a huge proponent of like because i'm the person who has auditory processing problems so like Mm -hmm. just getting information verbally um is really hard for me personally so like i'm a huge proponent of like there has to be some sort of some sort of written reference i can look at to understand what's being said to me
0: (laughs) and i can never write in a satisfying way as i'm talking on a whiteboard like i do occasionally like i'll write down my name and occasional things i'll use a whiteboard but i don't ever want to write step by step on a pro like it's hard for me to say something out loud and write it down right. at the same time in a way that's like if i write it down, like it ends up not being legible yeah <laughs> if i try to do that so yeah. it's not helpful i wanted to think about how um we could adapt um this for older audiences mm-hmm. um like how could uh this 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 is clearly like we had lego like this was clearly for children yeah, but so I wanted to think about how and like maybe this is a problem, to not a problem, but like a a, a topic to think about in the future. Yeah. is how can accessibility and disability accommodations be adaptable for older older audiences at comic book conventions and also indie con- comic cons, which is mm. geor- normally me and Remus's bread and butter. We ain't going to New York Comic Con, so <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> normally we're doing independent artist work and And small press, small publishing mm-hmm. conventions so thinking about different ways that um, accessibility could be adapted to those conventions, I think would be uh, yeah, a
1: good thing. And I will say too, one because I mentioned this earlier on um, people the the cultural in the United States at least the sort of cultural, cultural perception of disability is very heavily. Um, focused on children. I think especially for autism, right? Like, the face of autism in the U.S. is a child. Um, and autistic adults, there's basically no resources for autistic adults. It's as if people think that when you turn 18, your autism goes away forever. Um, and I think, like, something that I think, I you know, thinking about, like, adapting this sort of thing for older audiences, like, for folks that are involved in cons like and you know if you have an audience that skews more like you know mostly adults like you do still need these spaces because like there are autistic adults there are neurodivergent adults and not all neurodivergent adults are able to self-regulate or like you know like what we were talking about earlier like i i I'm able to go, I'm able to say, oh, I can tell that I am getting overstimulated, let me go Mm. take a break. But that's not, you know, like, autism, it, it, it's, you know, the ways that people's neurodivergence exists is, you know, some people have different requirements or need different help, or, you know, adaptions, depending. So, um, but again, it's like, there are lots of adults. There, there are lots of us out here and, <laughs> who also need this. and can't all, and who aren't necessarily helped by the same thing as children, right? Because like we're not children,
0: uh, so yeah. Comes, and that's that's what I was trying to like. I was like, I mean, Legos are fun for everyone. So yeah, <laughs> I, wasn't, like, I wasn't trying to. Imply, no, for sure, like, for sure. I was but, like, all of this could be for adults too. It
1: could, but I think like,
0: f- but there. It the, was an adult, like adults it's weren't a kids, coming. Right, exactly.
1: Yeah. It's like a, which is great. I think that's really important. But I'm thinking, like, you know, as an autistic adult, like I, it is. It can get frustrating when, like, because the the thinking sort of stops to children that, like, it's very um people's people in general's sort of concept of like autism accessibility is like put toys out, which is like I like toys, but I'm 30. You know, like I'm yeah. not a it it, it, it it like plays into the the sort of like issue of like infantilizing people with disabilities, right? Mm-hmm.
0: yeah, mhm, and i I like thinking about ways that indie comics like I think um the uh this year at queer and trans zine fest mm-hmm. here in Providence, um there was a cooling space, which was a lot like a calm space, yeah, but it's because it's an outdoor event. So it was like a room literally with air conditioning. (laughs) Perfect. But but it was, it served as a calming space and it was like really nice to go in there. Um, so that is sort of an indie, it was it's not a comic con, but it's like a zine fest. So it's similar, it's adjacent. Um, so that's a place that has had that kind of accommodation. I'm sort of going back and forth with accommodation and accessibility, but I don't think I accommodation is kind of what we use in education. I don't think it's quite the same as accessibility, so I just wanted to. Yeah,
1: I can, I can clarify. Um, Accessibility is a proactive approach. So when you design something from the ground up to be um, something, so that as many people as possible can do the same thing, regardless of their body, mind need, that's accessibility. Mm -hmm. Accommodations are retrofits. So it's, you've designed something and now you're changing something about it so that a person with a disability or a different need can still do it. Um, So uh, accommodations is the model that's, like, really common in education, right? Like, people go to, like, their disability center or whatever, and they get a letter that says, like, they could have more time, blah, blah, blah. Um, But ideally, you want to, like, as much as possible be, not you specifically, Kathy, I just mean, like...
0: Oh, no, I'm not taking this personally. (laughs) Editorial
1: you, you want to, like, work accessibly because then there isn't as much there isn't a need for the accommodation because it's already accessible from the start does that make sense
0: yes yeah yeah i i I knew that myself i just was like going back and forth and i think a lot of that is because um in education we pretty much are always talking about accommodation because Yeah, yeah We are within an institution and a structure that it has not been designed to be accessible at right. all. Right? It's forever. very, it's very like, literally you have to the fight school really hard. To, like, is not accessible.
1: I mean, even something like as an att- like a uh, and again, I'm talking about like the undergraduate level where there's not like a legal conquir- requirement, but like the attendance policy. Yeah. Where like at UF, the UF's official attendance policy was like. You could miss I fr- it was like a, you could miss a, sp- a specific number and then you were supposed to like start losing grade points or whatever, which is not accessible because there are people with like, you know, chronic health problems that might need to miss classes or people who are caretakers or who are working or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so the only way to have an accessible attendance policy in that institution was to just mark people as present regardless, so the system wouldn't kick in. <laughs> And like, yeah. you know, yeah. which I, so
0: I think that's why I, I I habitually go to accommodations because it's like you're we're already working within so many different already pre-existing structures yeah. that we cannot change. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Unless you
1: can lie, but the, the, it's different. You know, you can't like do that at the, like this the, when there's minors, obviously, when there's eight, when they're 18 year olds.
0: I'm like, I don't care. I'm just going to say you're here. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. No, yeah. You don't want to be like, this kid is gone. I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Or like, oh, no, I totally, yes. Um, but yeah, so that's why I habitually moved into accommodations uh, w- yeah. out, while I was talking. But accessibility is sort of, was the idea of the ground up for, yeah. This, for this. Yeah, class. you were designing an accessible activity. The activity and the entire con- convention itself. Yeah, yeah. So it had, and, and, and by that, I do mean, like, in a regular class, in a regular classroom, my day to day, it is not okay for a student to walk out right like it would it would because i am responsible for them and i need to know where they're going like i need to know what's going on and i'm also responsible for a lot of other minors in that room right Mm -hmm. so that's what i mean by it's not just my activity but it was also the convention itself exactly because there were there were adults volunteers everywhere
1: Right. And it was a space that was designed to allow people to walk out if they needed
0: to. Yeah, explicitly designed to allow free mobility. Yeah. 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 And that's just one example of all sorts of other things. Yeah,
1: Yeah, no, that's a huge, that's like a huge thing. And that's kind of what I was thinking about earlier, too, when I was like, how could you adapt this? Because, like, you know, that's the difference is it it is a clear difference when you're in a space that has been de- designed to be accessible versus like when you're trying to do your best in a system that is actively aggressively against that.
0: Yes. Exactly. Exactly. And I think moving forward thinking about it I'll be more cl- I'll be more careful with when I say accessibility versus when I say accommodations because that is very m- accommodations is very much where a lot of people are working within. Yeah. Yeah. Um so I don't think we have, and oh, sorry. Thank you so much, Remus, for letting me talk about uh, ComerCon. Yeah, of course. With you. This was really fun. I, I'd want to keep thinking about accessibility, something that we didn't, mm-hmm. um, uh, something uh, that I had thought about. Um, I guess we're going to keep talking about conclusions briefly. Um, like, I think SPX, it was like such a long day. Some of these days are 10, 11, 12 hours, um, just like such a long day. And um, which is very exhausting. Um, and, and then another convention recently that I was thinking about in terms of accessibility was FlameCon. Have you ever been to FlameCon? Yeah, I went. I can't remember if I've done it twice or once,
1: but it was when it first started.
0: Right. Yeah. So I did FlameCon twenty twenty three this year, mm-hmm. and I probably saw m- the most like visible like mobility aids than i've ever seen at a convention before cool it was it was really cool like i probably saw the most canes i've ever seen Mm -hmm. it was really awesome
1: (laughs) yeah i mean that's i think and it's not always you know i know like with a comic especially like small press or like zine fest like you're often kind of at the mercy of what space is available to you in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of, a lot of spaces are not physically accessible. Right. Um, especially for mm-hmm. like wheelchair users or people who use canes or people who have like service animals. Right. So.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a completely different conversation. I just yeah. wanted to be like, that was something I like noted. <laughs> yeah. That's Flame super Con, cool. Is that I, I saw a lot of more visible and I'm saying visible specifically, like a lot yeah. more visible. Yeah. Uh, disability which was awesome yeah um so i don't believe and thank you so much for talking with me but i don't believe that we have a letters to the editor this do you have a letters to the editor Um. it's our segment where we either talk about a email that uh, has been sent to us or messages or we talk about a previous topic and we revisit that no i did
1: want to shout out um Episode 36 is uh, is actually about ableism and accessibility. Um, and I remember I talked about accessibility and accommodations and also disability justice in that episode. So uh, we can drop that in the show notes.
0: Awesome. Did you talk about conventions?
1: No, I think we were mostly talking about like
0: schools and I believe I was talking about... um. Well, oh, yeah, we talked about schools. I remember that now. Well wow. Yeah. Uh, um, but if you have a letter for us, um, you can email it to us through drawing a dialogue at gmail.com um i have now started the blue sky so we have a blue sky which is drawing a dialogue um if you'd like to follow that us on there and we also have an instagram yeah Um, and
1: yes are you still what is happening are you still um posting on the twitter as well or are we
0: yes i'm also posting on the twitter i'm just trying to move people over okay yeah (laughs) that's fair (laughs) (laughs) now i'm posting on three different social media platforms
1: um you can find the show notes and the citations for this podcast at drawingadialogue.com which is hosted on kathy's very good website comic art ed which i am matt is where you post a lot of really good like lessons and activities like the one that you did for this show um And you can email us, like Kathy said, at drawingadialog at gmail.com. I'm, you know what, I'm I'm on, here, I'll give you all my, I have an Instagram, it's RemusMJ. I don't use it super often, but it's preferable than the Twitter website. Um, And I also have a newsletter, which is tinyletter.com forward slash RemusJackson.com. And both, I'm gonna stop saying follow me on Twitter, because I don't use it really anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, uh, you can follow me at Kathy G. John Anywhere, C-A-T-H-Y G-J-O-H-N. I'm on Instagram, TikTok, uh, Blue Sky, Twitter, uh, that's it. Um, no, Mastodon, I don't know. I, basically what I do is I make a, I make an Instagram post, uh, I make a post and then i just copy and paste it at all those locations so choose whatever you feel like choosing and also i have a web comic called charger county you can find it at chargercounty.com that's that's what i really want you to do right now is to read yes, my web comic
1: it's so good go read it
0: thank you um we skipped our thanks to downtown boys for the use Oops. of their song wave of history um, it's off their album full communism which normally i say you can buy off their Bandcamp, but Bandcamp. Uh, has been firing all their unionized employees because it got taken (laughs) over by a company called Song Trader, which normally just sort of deals with uh, the rights of songs for, like, movies and IP and crap (laughs) like that. So get their album Full Communism. You can uh, buy the CD or the (laughs) LP at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much, downtown. I'm
1: huge. We Lyle, uh, my partner got a, like, 90s CD player slash radio for our kitchen, and they have built a little, like, CD rig and have been collecting CDs, and honestly, it's nice. (laughs) I miss having, like, analog media.
0: I never stopped using CDs, so... (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad. Isn't it nice to not listen to ads?
1: Yeah, that's very nice.
0: Um, So, what are you reading, Remus?
1: Um, I just read this past week um Rosemary Valero O'Connell's new comic, The Stranger, um which she made for a an a two calf, which is like Ann Arbor's little comic festival, um Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, really, it's short, it's beautiful. Um, it's about a uh an older woman whose children make like an AI replica of her late wife um mm. and it's so it's a gut punch i mean rosemary's fantastic um, what are you reading kathy
0: um so i'm in between books right now but i just picked up blackword um by Lawrence lindell and i'm excited to read it Ooh. it's i just looked it up I, it's from drawn and quarterly um the little tagline is black weird awkward and proud of it welcome to the club um tired of feeling like you don't belong join the club it's called the section you don't need a sp- you think a spot to chill chat and find community would be much easier to come by for nerdy queer punks um so I'm excited to read that I just picked it up at mice it's gonna be great that rules um well thank you um so much Remus yeah thank you and thank you for listening to drawing a dialogue Uh, My name is Kathy G. Johnson. And my name is Jackson. Solidarity forever.